Hey there! Welcome to Culture by Culture, a multidimensional exploration of Black and Asian pop cultural ties. I'm your rhythmically challenged host, Delia. And today, I'm joined by the K-pop dance team, one of a kind. Hi, y'all. Hey. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited to have y'all. But before we get into it, go ahead and introduce y'all selves, what y'all do. If y'all have roles, do y'all have roles? See, I don't even know. See, we're already learning. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so I'll start. Um, hi, my name is Ray McNeil. I am a junior broadcast journalism major, history minor, living in Arizona. And last year, I served as the head editor of One Oak, but this year, I'll be serving as the creative director. Very cool. Hello, everyone. My name is Mia Stornovan. I am a rising senior history major, secondary education minor from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm currently serving as One Oak's vice president. Hi, everyone. My name is Hannah Washington. I am a rising junior, psychology major, and criminology minor living in Charleston, South Carolina. And... I'm just a regular, degulous, regular old dancer on the One Oak dance team. <laughs> Very cool. I'm so excited to have y'all. I was saying before we were recording, uh, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, but I saw y'all in person here in D.C. during Embassy Week. The Korean Embassy had, I think it was just called the K-pop dance and singing competition or something like that, which, by the way, One Oak won, just saying. Um, <laughs> No big deal. Uh, and they were amazing. So I was like, I'm gonna have to try and get them on the podcast at some point. We're gonna have to fix the schedule, figure it out. So I'm very excited to have y'all here. For the folks that don't know, I know I have quite a few listeners who are kind of new to the K-pop space. They don't really know a lot about K-pop. So before we really get into the meat of it, would y'all care to explain to the audience what a K-pop dance team is? Well, I would personally describe the K-pop dance team as a group of people who tend to cover the choreography of a K-pop dance that usually is accompanied with a title track of each release from a different group. Mm -hmm. So that can include an all-boy group, an all-girl group, or a co-ed group. We don't really specialize in one certain type of dance. We just do any type of K-pop song cover, but we do not choreograph any of our own dances, for now at least. We usually just copy the choreo as it's presented to us through those music videos or stages. Okay, so for people who don't know, y'all were talking about your majors and stuff, and that's because specifically y'all are a K-pop dance team at Howard University. I assume most people know that's an HBCU, but just in case you don't, it's an HBCU, okay, <laughs> here in D.C., so they're local to me. Although I was surprised to hear where y'all saying where y'all are from, because obviously y'all are not necessarily from around here, but I just kind of forgot, so that was interesting. <laughs> but yeah, so they're a K-pop dance team specifically at Howard University. And I just am curious, I don't know who are the founding members or what have you, but like you go to college, you're at an HBCU, you know, you're taking it all in, having a good time, I imagine. What is the inspiration to start a K-pop dance team? Are you looking for just fellow K-pop fans? Are you just like, look, I just want to dance and I need something popular that's popping off to get people to join a crew with me? Like, how does it come about? Honestly, how everything started, it was kind of on a whim. But at mm -hmm. Howard University, we do have an actual Korean culture club. And oh, cool. we are okay. all uh, members of that. And then mm -hmm. from that, there was like a small group of people that were like, hey, do we have like an actual K-pop dance team? And we were like, no. And then they were just kind of like, oh, would you guys want to start one? And we were just like, yeah. And then we made a group chat <laughs> and just kind of like continued forming everything from there. So it was just that a lot of us already somewhat knew each other through this like Korean culture club and mm -hmm. just kind of interested in expressing our interest in that culture with dance as well so 
That's very cool. Again, it's very impressive to me that it starts so casually. Like, you know, it makes sense. But again, as somebody who can't dance, even if I was in a club and people were like, want to start this thing? I'd be like, uh, not me. Um, (laughs) I would. I love that for y'all, but it will not be me. I am curious how many people are in the group because I remember it felt like there was a lot of y'all. I mean, a lot is relative in K-pop, to be clear, but... (laughs) Um, I think we have a total of about like 30 to 35 members. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. how active people are kind of varies. Mm-hmm. But some people, like Hannah said, join from the Korean Culture Club. Me personally, I just saw it on Instagram as a freshman and I wanted to join. So some people joined after the fact from other places. But yeah, we usually have about 30 members who participate actively. Wow, that's amazing. Is everybody coming to the K-pop dance team, all the members, or I assume there's tryouts. I'm not really sure the process, but are they all K-pop fans from Jump? Or are there some people that are like, I just love dancing. Y'all seem to be doing the thing I'd like to join. I think so far it's all K-pop fans because we do have a lot of dance teams at Howard. So if you Mm -hmm. want to find your own niche, you can find it at Howard. But (laughs) it's our, you know, K-pop niche. Cool, cool. Okay, so y'all start the group. I've gone back through your Instagram, not even in preparation for this podcast, just after I saw y'all perform, I found y'all's Instagram, went through it, all that stuff. I don't know if like what's on the Instagram is like the entirety of the breadth of your work, if you will. So I was wondering what y'all's first K-pop cover was and how did y'all decide like this is the one we're going to put out there? So a lot of the planning that went into it, it was basically like we were all in the group me and we were like just throwing out suggestions. It was mostly like songs that had just come out. So at that mm-hmm. time, this was 20, yeah, this is the beginning of 2022 or maybe it was 2021. <laughs> so the songs that had come out then was like, Itzy had a new song out. There was Aesop by Stacy. There was Step Back by Got The Beat. Like there were all these different songs, but I think conceptually, we thought that Girls' Generations Into the New World was sort of perfect because when Girls' Generation came out with that song, it was very much about like this new wave of like feminism in Korea. And it kind of fit mm-hmm. perfectly like in that we were making a statement like that we were this organization coming onto Howard's campus that was so completely different. And it just made mm-hmm. sense that like we were going to like come into this new world as like this new group and it was basically perfect so yeah we sort of designed our concept around that and like we call all the people who were around that time and we call them like the into the new world line oh my gosh that's so cute (laughs) (laughs) in the same way that like the next group that came in it was sort of when twice's next song came out Mm -hmm. but we ended up finding like the between 18 and 67 because our school was found in 1867 so that's sort of like Mm -hmm. how we went about like doing the concept and That's how we continue to put out our new work or put out our new members. That's so cool. That is adorable. There may be listeners who aren't very familiar with like the K-pop world, I suppose, (laughs) but like having lines and like concepts, like it's all very K-pop. And I just think it's so cute. Sounds like I'm like talking down. I mean, like, (laughs) I love it. I think like it's the best thing (laughs) to see uh, these K-pop dance teams will have like concepts and lines and going to that K-pop competition. Like a lot of the groups had like full on like fits, like another thing about k-pop is the fashion the fashion is going to be giving and a lot of these k-pop dance teams are like we're gonna look cohesive we have looks maybe looks on a budget does not matter so i wonder i know you said reina that you're the creative director now or you were i am now so last year old director was destiny she's actually senior Mm -hmm. so she graduated this year but definitely helped us with the whole making things you know Mm -hmm. very streamlined with our vision 
Mm-hmm. What goes into trying to create a vision for a K-pop dance team? Like, what do you draw on and how do you communicate? I don't know if there's a style of vibe that y'all are going for when you're like putting yourselves out there. Well, like this was, of course, a lot of mistakes we did and didn't make with trying to figure it out. But mm-hmm, I know mm-hmm. we use like, use like mood boards and Pinterest, like getting inspiration. Obviously, we draw on the inspiration of the actual groups themselves. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times we mimic certain outfits or poses and whatnot for the general vibe of how we do things. But also, I mean, we are black. So there's like a little like extra bedazzle we kind of add in there like i think we like yeah. sort of move into the new world where mm-hmm. i think we've like the wakanda for everything instead of like one move was like this we just did it like that instead mm-hmm. like it's a collaborative process but we still draw heavily on what they actually are doing but i think as we progress we've gotten to find our own styles and how we want to express ourselves through our dancing yeah i definitely again seeing different k-pop dance teams not even just local there's lot if, if y'all are not familiar with this world listeners like there are people in your area let me tell you why <laughs> but i just thought it was very interesting watching y'all perform like y'all definitely had a clear vision and focus and so then when y'all were like yeah we're the first k-pop dance team about an hbcu for some reason i was like ah that makes sense yeah okay yeah i get it i see it <laughs> i do wonder why is that distinction important for y'all i think considering the history of the industry that is k-pop and how heavily mm-hmm. influenced it is by Black culture. It's just so interesting that, like, we were able to come together at a historically Black college and basically not just emulate these groups, but sort of show, like, where this culture is coming from and, like, create mm-hmm. culturally relevant content, basically, and also incorporate, like, our own cultures and our own intersections and identity when we're Mm -hmm. copying these groups or when we're performing their dances. Because, I mean, obviously us having this background of Black culture, when we come into doing these dances, we're going to do these dances like it's natural for us. It comes from our culture. It comes from like us growing up. And so many of us have backgrounds in hip hop or majorette or these other like very Black dance styles. So when we come into it, we're going to execute it completely different than someone else who just has an interest in it because of some sort of orientalism that they have secretly or some other sort of like fetishizing view that they have on Asian culture and the way that they want to take it on. So us saying that and us continuing to say that we're the first HBCU dance team, it really is important because like we have so many dance teams at our school, but that are so Mm -hmm. like relevant to these people's cultures, like Tropical Rhythms, which is like the Caribbean dance team or Mm. the African dance teams that we have. Like, it is very significant that, like, we were able to accomplish this in a school that is so much about being from a diaspora and coming from, like, so many intersecting identities. Like, we're always Mm -hmm. going to reiterate that and say that, like, we were still able to do this at our college. I think looking at y'all or even, you know, there are other k-pop dance crews that are like black or have black people in them Mm -hmm. like across the country and probably the world i don't know (laughs) but i find personally of course i'm biased i'm black but when i see black people performing k-pop songs like there's an authenticity there and i think Mm -hmm. you touched on it like this is originating and is heavily influenced by our culture so it's nothing for us to most of us, not me. It's nothing for us to like <laughs> pick up this choreography and like, you know, run with it. And it's going to lend an authenticity to it that is true to us, but also at the same time, not, I don't think, 
encroaching on or fetishizing, like you said, the culture that K-pop has created in the Korean context, you know, Mm -hmm. that I really am proud that y'all are doing that because I think highlighting that it's coming from a Black perspective and that like Black people have a piece of the story, I think is super important you know, without decentering the Korean contributions. So I know you said there's a lot of dance teams and stuff on campus and stuff like that. But I was wondering if y'all could talk a little bit about what the reception has been like on and off campus. And has that changed over time as y'all have gotten a little bit more established? Honestly, I've never really had anyone say anything negative. I know mm-hmm. that it is true that within our community, sometimes we deal with side-eye people who are into things that are a little bit odd or weird to most Black people. But <laughs> I think overall, although Howard can have its little issues, is usually a very supportive community no matter what. Mm-hmm. I've had people come up to me and be like, I recognize you from TikTok or YouTube. And Period. I you do. Like, it doesn't matter if it's they don't know about K-pop. It makes no sense to them. They're, a lot of them still support us. Like, many uh, people from Howard just follow us just because. Because mm-hmm. no matter what, we are still a community and our interests, you know, are important to them. And we also support them and their interests. So I think that that's, overall very positive experience i mean i've gotten my friends personally who were not really into k-pop to listen to k-pop with me and just that's what it's about <laughs> this, yeah like culture with me because some people grew up in sheltered areas so i think introducing the mm-hmm. a slightly different worldview of blackness is also very interesting and so yes i've had people come to me being like i've never listened to k-pop but i love y'all so y'all keep going keep being your thing we love to see it yes i've honestly only had like one i guess i wouldn't even call it negative i had like one time I told, like, a friend the sort of, like, dancing that I'm on and the sort of, like, work that we do. And she was basically like, oh, I don't support that industry, but I love y'all. And it's the sort of thing where, like, I understand, like, when other Black people feel disrespected by, like, the industry of K-pop because it very much is, like, an industry that makes its money off of the exploitation of an entire culture, an entire subculture. So, I mean, it's something that, you know, we sit in a lot. We sit in those contentions and contradictions a lot. And it's the sort of thing where, like, I just feel no ill will about it because my allegiance is not to K-pop. My allegiance is always going to be to Blackness and to Pan-Africanism. So, it, I mean, it's just water off the duck's back. Just kind of adding on, like, I think especially, like, this past semester, Um, We've experienced a lot more exposure for the team. You know, of course, you mentioned how we participated in the competition at the Korean Culture Center. And won. Yeah, and won. That part. Can't forget that. That's important. (laughs) But, you know, we've had the honor to participate in, like, showcases hosted by other teams that, like, we were invited to personally, which was, like, amazing for us because... We never really expected for anything like that to happen, especially so soon. We also participated in a competition that was hosted by Connect DMV, which is, you know, mm-hmm. a really, really big hip hop dance team and group like just in the DMV area in general. And so that was just really cool for us to be invited to places and recognized by other groups in the area for what we do. So that was just really cool. That's awesome. I do. So we're talking about like the cultural exchange that happens between K-pop and hip hop and, you know, sitting in that discomfort of K-pop industry can be very exploitative of black culture. But like we as black fans have to navigate that. 
But on the other side, I wonder <laughs> the question I wrote. I will read it as I wrote it because I think it's funny. But I was like, how do y'all fight the Korea boo accusations? <laughs> but, <laughs> but in all seriousness, like, how do you balance like we inform this culture, but also being respectful and like, where's that line for y'all? How do y'all navigate that, et cetera? Mm. This is a really good question, though. Like, the format of the question is so funny, but, like, <laughs> it, it, it is, it's a really good question because, I mean, when you're experiencing, like, another culture, the worst thing to do is act as though, like, you're some sort of spokesperson for that culture or for those certain practices. And obviously, like, I'm a history student and I also study mm-hmm. anthropology, so I understand, like, what it means to take a step back. And sort of like find where things align within your own culture that you're coming from. And then also respecting like the culture that you're basically like being a guest within. Mm -hmm. I think for me, like the way that I quote unquote fight the career boot accusation (laughs) is by basically just studying, like looking at movements in Korea and seeing where they align with like movements within the African-American community and Mm -hmm. understanding like how those cultural exchanges happen because of colonialism and because of war and it's like war on communism in Korea and how Mm -hmm. black culture was exported over to Korea by way of imperialism Mm -hmm. and so understanding like that cross-pollination has been very essential and understanding like okay look you cannot have this obsession with this culture because it comes about through like a continued exploitation of so many people. And I think mm-hmm. that like when you come and understand that, like there's no way that you in your right mind can sit there and like view that culture as less than or greater than your own culture because there are things that you share in common. And then obviously, of course, you do have to sit in contention and just understand that like even though these Korean people have this history of oppression, it still doesn't make it right that they continue to exploit Black culture. I mean, you do have to take like a little bit of a backseat and just say like, you know, I understand that this exploitation of my culture happens, but I mean, the music still eats a little bit. I cannot lie. Um, (laughs) But I mean, that does not mean that I'm not also enjoying my own Black culture. I'm not also giving back to my people. Because, I mean, we do this service on campus and like providing these dance performances and such on campus. Um, but that does not mean that we're isolated from the Black community. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's not mutually exclusive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think to Mia's point, uh, I mean, I personally have been a K-pop fan since like Gangnam Style. So it's been a very long time. Like, Ooh. you know, I think when I was, uh, of course, I was really young when that um, song came out. So when I was out in middle school, I'm also an anime fan, so I also had those two phases kind of correspond. But I think because of the way I grew up, my parents exposing me to a lot of culture. Like, I we even lived in Japan mm-hmm. for a little bit. So, like, you know, I've always learned oh, cool. to respect okay. culture as, you know, they are people. They have their own flaws. They have their own great aspects to their own culture. So I've learned to view them as people and not get too caught up in, like, oh, this is so fun and quirky. I know in the United mm-hmm. States we are kind of taught to like exotify people who are different than us. But I think when I being able to reflect on myself as a black person and seeing the way that I've been exotified, it's obviously made me really try to respect other people's cultures and the way that they exist and interact. And then also like Mia said, like existing in those weird areas. It's not like when making K-pop, it's not like they didn't know that they were also exploiting black people. Like, Mm-hmm. They basically Lee Suman, who's the CEO or ex-CEO of SM, and he's basically credited with how K-pop functions in the first place. He 
he said that this was black people music. Like he said, mm-hmm. I like what they do and I want to be able to use their culture to make ourselves popular and famous. Like I know that that music is valued by a lot of people. So I think there is like a back and forth between how we respect people and what lines are across. I mean, I've seen so many incidents of K-pop idols being like, oh yes, black people is struggle music. Like I want to struggle more so I can do their music, you know? Yeah. Said a certain member from Big Bang, you know? Or stuff does happen. But I think even if that is how people respond to our culture, it's not right for us to respond in the same way. Like there is a respect that needs to be had. No matter what, it's not right for me to be like, oh, you know, I'm so cute. I just wish I was Korean. Like this is an <laughs> issue that we see a lot. Behind. But we have to understand these are people with real culture and with real history. And as a part of the human experience, I think that it's always important to respect other people in an exchange, even if the exchange is a little bit, you know, suspicious, a little bit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like as Black people, I just feel like we know how it feels to be kind of like looked at as if you're just kind of like mm-hmm. not the typical. And I just think like everyone on this team, no matter what, like we're Black folks. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think we all kind of have that mentality. So it's just how we keep ourselves in check and keep other people on the team in check as well. Was there any like conscious effort into fostering that type of culture or did that kind of just naturally progress having so many people come from like the Korean culture club? I honestly think it's just something that just kind of happened like organically. Mm -hmm. I think just especially like when you're on like an HBCU campus, like that's Mm -hmm. just kind of like the energy that surrounds you. And so I just think it's very special that we were able to bring something like that to the team and just be like, hey, we're all interested in this one thing. But like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, we're Black first. Mm-hmm. Period. No, I, honestly, I think it really is like no coincidence that we were able to create this team on Howard's campus because I think that Howard really has like for a long time been such a great place for political discourse and for like mm-hmm. other discourses in Black studies. And like the fact that we already consciously understand that and like we're continuing to learn it in like our course load the fact that we're able to translate that into not necessarily like a praxis but like a way of like working forward within our team it just it makes so much sense that like one oak exists on Howard's campus yeah and I think also like I've done it personally for my classes like I've done essays and analyzing the use of k-pop and how it exists within black culture and there's a lot of people on this team who are very smart and also have the same exact discussions. We've also already discussed it, especially when idols do something that's anti-Black. Like, we discuss it. We understand our own boundaries with how we want to interact with stuff, to keep ourselves mm-hmm. safe, mm-hmm. and also just respecting where we come from. Because like Hannah said, we are Black first. So, you know, K-pop will never be more serious than being Black. You know, like, I personally am okay with, you know, one group says something that's a bit too far for me. That's, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm not, I'm mature enough to know that it's not that big of a deal. But at the same time, we do live in a, an existence that can be anti-Black everywhere. That's kind of one of those things that was mm-hmm. exported with colonialism. We know how Blackness was exported internationally. There are other countries that exploit Black culture in a very similar way. So it, there is a weird way to interact with it. But like, a lot of people on this team are smart enough and well-read enough to have these very nuanced, you know, existences on campus. Yeah. A few episodes ago, I interviewed Mars Sebastian, Mars in Charge on 
the internet everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, you know, advice to people, especially Black fans who are kind of new to fandom spaces, whether it's anime, K-pop, K-dramas, like advice we would give them. And something that she said that I think is so true and so smart is that you need to know yourself. Like you don't mm-hmm. want to lose yourself to fandom. And like mm-hmm. that's basically what y'all are hitting on. Like we know who we are, we are black first and we're bringing that to this space, but we're not going to lose ourselves in the space. I do think I see that happen a lot in these fandoms and that's how you can not, it's not always one-to-one, but like that is also how you can end up, you know, in this like Korea boo, weeaboo, weird place because like you've made the fandom your identity, right? Rather than centering who you are and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I love that y'all do that. I think that's super important. Did you know Culture by Culture is on Patreon? As of right now, I'm a one-woman operation, so your support would help me keep the proverbial podcast lights on, allow me to explore more of these pop cultural ties in real life, and free up some of my time to pursue even bigger ideas for the show. There's some very cool perks to get you more involved in the podcast, including a one-time shout-out in an episode. So if you like what I'm doing here on the podcast and want more content, or maybe you just want to lend your support, you can click the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash culturexpodcast. I was curious, maybe I should have asked this up top, but like, what are y'all's dance backgrounds, you know, prior to the K-pop dance crew, if y'all have any? Well, me personally, I have no like formal dance experience like whatsoever. I was always like a very, very casual dancer, just like for fun. And I didn't really start dancing for real until I joined this dance team. And for me, it was just kind of on a whim. And I was just like, why not? So. (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) Just flex on me a bit. That's fine. Cool. Cool. I'm also the same experience as Hannah where the last formal dance training I've done was when I was six and I did ballet like you know a lot of young girls do and so my dance training is nothing my parents just want to make sure I had enough rhythm to grow up and have rhythm and that was it like <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even do anything artsy besides like drawing and whatnot like I didn't do musical theater I didn't do show choir like mm-hmm. so I think this was stepping out of my comfort zone but like yeah it was just also on a whim like yeah I could do this wow okay Mia? So me, I've been on a stage my whole life. Like, I did ballet throughout elementary school. I did jazz. I did tap. Middle school, I did contemporary and lyrical. And then in high school, I switched it up. And that's when I started doing majorette. And then I took, like, a really long break. And one look was, like, the next time that I ever, like, did dance formally. So, you know, it really has been, like, a healing journey to, like, be able to pick dance back up and do it in like a group of such great people Mm -hmm. that's so nice it sounds like then y'all have a very i mean just from three of y'all it sounds like the team is very varied as far as like their background and their experience so how do you go about even starting the team but like okay, now we're going to learn this dance. Like, what is the process like? Do you have, like, people who are more experienced to dance, like, break down the choreography for each other? Like, how does that happen? See, this might be a dance one-on-one question, and I don't know. I can't tell. (laughs) Honestly, I feel like how we go about learning a dance, it honestly varies from dance to dance, just let alone, like, choosing dances. It's just, like, someone comes up with an idea that they're really passionate about. And then typically there's a group of people that's like, okay, yeah, let's see this out. Let's see how this works. And we just kind of take it from there. There are like a few people in particular on the team who are kind of like look to, to, you know, oversee 
some things. And those are typically the people who do actually have past dance experience. Mm-hmm. Like Avery, who was our vice president this previous year and who is now our acting president. Like she has a lot of dance experience. So she's kind of someone we call on to, to, you know, look over everything, make sure everything looks okay. And we have a few other people on the team like that. But just like generally, a lot of the time it'll be us just kind of like looking at the dance on our own for maybe a day or two, just kind of seeing what we can pull from watching it on our own and then we'll meet up and take things from there. And I think now having been together for a while, like we've kind of figured out how like everyone learns most effectively. Like some Mm -hmm. people need to do it with someone else and they need to be walked through each step. But you know, there are other people who can just watch it a few times and then maybe with like a few tips can mostly get it on Mm -hmm. their own. So it's just kind of us trying to adapt to everyone's learning styles, which at times can be a lot, but I feel like we always come out with a good product at the end. So it's not like a regular K-pop group, because I always talk about that one member who is like, they don't even need to like practice. They just see it once and they can dance it. So we all go talk to that person to figure out how to do this new choreography. Yeah. And just like, it's different with each dance because you know like everyone has like a different style so it's Mm -hmm. just like some people might learn this dance quicker than another one so they might be able to help everyone else on this one but then on a different dance you know they might need a little more help be a little stuck so it's just kind of everyone helping each other out that's true too that makes sense i know y'all said earlier that y'all don't really have like a preference as far as like what styles of dance y'all cover but you know being that there's so many members I assume like there's definitely some people who lean more towards this style more towards that style and I just wonder how y'all balance that I guess like trying to make sure everybody's feeling like oh I'm doing something that I like is there a process for that or it's just kind of like we vibe in the group chat and people seem unhappy then we address it (laughs) We actually had like this idea of a PowerPoint night, basically, where people present their ideas for the whole song. So not just the dance, but also like the outfits, the videography ideas, like the photo shoot ideas. And I mean, we have members who are more girl group stands, like I am, and there's people who are more boy group stands. So that definitely affects like who presents what songs, like what is chosen. Mm-hmm. But there are people who are willing to try all dances, like I will try any dance. Mm-hmm. So, and there's some people who only prefer doing more boy group dances because that's what they're best at. So, got it. Usually it's like a voting idea. Like we try to be as democratic mm-hmm. as possible. There are definitely some times where people first come and like, figure it out on the side and they present it to the e-board being like, hey, we want to do this dance. We kind of already organized it. We're going to go ahead and do it and we just approve it and let them go from there. So mm-hmm. usually the voting process, sometimes it's like a side project type thing. But usually we try to hear everyone's ideas because, you know, it's a lot of people and a lot of people have a lot of opinions. Yeah, because for the listeners who are kind of new to K-pop or aren't really in K-pop, like the choreography styles very wildly like we do say you know k-pop's very informed by hip-hop obviously r&b all of that that's true but even within k-pop the styles of like choreography and dancing very wildly which is why personally like i like girl groups but i'm not like standing girl groups because for me the biggest thing is like i want people to eat up the stage i wish they would let these girls eat up the stage (laughs) like i want like hard choreography like let them dance like i don't need it's fine i'm not saying there's anything wrong i'm not trying to make anybody (laughs) at home mad like it's totally fine girl choreography is just not what i'm here for you know what i'm saying and so i really love getting into like you 
start learning about K-pop dance groups, like, yep, all sorts of people doing all sorts of dance. Like, I love seeing girls eat up the stage. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) I want them to get it. You know, like, there's girl crush, but like, even that's still not, it's not scratching the itch. You know what I mean? Where was I going with that? I got real passionate there for a second and lost my way. I love the passion. Oh, I was just explaining, like, it does vary a lot. And so trying to meet, like, scratch everybody's little itches would be challenging. But I also think it's very interesting because, like you said, some people are better at some things. And you'll see groups, uh, not K-pop groups, also K-pop groups, but I mean, like, dance crews, dance teams that will specialize in a certain style. And I feel like, from my non-dancer point of view, it takes a lot of talent to be able to just switch through the different styles. You know, K-pop is very influenced by hip-hop. In y'all's experience, how does K-pop dancing differ from hip-hop, if y'all have that experience to draw on? It's, like, it's a lot cleaner. Like, you see clear pictures and lines this is me like Mm, using mm -hmm. dancer talk now but um, it's like i know what you're talking about though yeah but it's like whenever a singular like move is done to a particular beat you can see a particular picture that's trying Mm. to say something and even though it does like draw from hip-hop a lot i've never seen a k-pop dance that's as relaxed as Mm -hmm, a black mm -hmm. hip-hop choreo if that makes sense yeah no it definitely does i knew exactly what you meant by pictures and lines because again i said i'm rhythmically challenged but not but by black standards not by general standards i was in marching band so like yeah hitting pictures and lines i'm like oh yeah i get what you're saying because k-pop definitely does have that life of like we're moving we're moving oh we're moving we're moving oh like there's like pictures they're moving towards each time and like that's also partly why the formations shift Yada, yada, yada. (laughs) But I don't think I'd ever thought of it that way. But that's true. Like hip hop, that was for the longest time, I think, one of the biggest draws of style is like, it looks so effortless. It's like this relaxed, like cool. That's what gives it that cool vibe that everybody and their mother was so drawn to. Yeah, it's never that relaxed. And I assume that's by design and that's fine. Do y'all have covers that y'all would like to do or like that have been brought, but like maybe for where y'all are now or too complex or just like we don't have like enough of these types of dancers to do them? Like, are there covers you would like to do to challenge yourselves? But for one reason or other, it's just not on deck yet. Oh my God. So the, the big thing right now is like numbers. So back in last summer, we did a cover of Hot by Seventeen. And now mm-hmm. I'm not a Seventeen fan, so I don't know the exact number of members that they have, but it's 13. pretty, they have 13 members. And bringing 13 people together in the middle of the summer to mm-hmm. produce that cover was a little challenging. So yeah. we continue to throw out suggestions like NCT which I think they're in the 20s now. I think they're still adding members. It's too many. It's too many. I'm so sorry to NCT. I can't. It's too many. It's a lot. Or like, so I was a very big Orbit for a very long time. And every time we throw suggestions, I always suggest Luna. And they have 12 members. So mm-hmm. it really is anything over like seven. That's when we get into like the danger zone of like, how can we bring people together <laughs> and like have capacity building? It gets a little tricky. Like the one song, every single time it fails not. Every time we have a PowerPoint announcement, we always bring up favorite by NCT. We call it like the unofficial one oak theme song because it always gets brought up. But we always remember we're like, we can't do a cover with 20 people. And then we just forget it. 
they do K-pop groups, they get up there in numbers. And I it wasn't something I'd considered. I get what you have to do then if it's too many. It's just like a no. But there are also K-pop groups that like have smaller numbers. So do just a small section of the team do those covers or is it like y'all kind of adjust the choreography to fit like bigger numbers like I'm thinking for instance I don't know if y'all have covered them but I really like card for example and there's only four members there like how do y'all navigate that type of choreography we did it once and we decided we're not going to ever do it again is when we did our hot cover we had 11 members not 13 mm-hmm. and mind you we learned this dance and I maybe like two weeks like we learned over the summer wow. and we came back mm-hmm. and then we had to perform it and trying to rearrange who was where and figure out what was going on. And obviously, 17 has some really difficult dances. So, having, mm. And they're also in sync as well. So there's a lot of things going on. And having to like change the choreo to make sense for people moving. Because 17 choreography, they have them running around and all this other stuff. We decided that we're going to just try to stick to an original amount of members. Obviously, for our showcases, we do rearrange the choreo because no one's singing and it's not necessarily done in the same way that our video covers have been done yeah usually we just have like a i think it's called like a battle royale where we put the list up people get to just run and fight for what position they want oh my gosh we away because we've learned that rearranging choreography for us is very difficult and we've decided for our sake and the fact that we still have to get a degree I'm not going to worry about it. You know, that's totally fair. Like, we're having this conversation, and I'm, like, obviously very impressed with stuff that y'all are doing. But y'all are doing this while going to classes. <laughs> like, I think it's key for us all to remember that. Of course, all these K-pop dance teams are, like, it's hobbies. But, like, y'all are actively in college getting degrees. <laughs> like, that's a lot. That is a lot. And have branding and stuff. Like, I really urge, of course, the links will be in the show notes, as always. I really urge people to scroll through y'all's Instagram. Like, y'all are putting in the work as far as, like, Instagram branding, like, fits like all little parts you could have phoned in but like y'all are doing all of it and that's a lot to it's a lot to cover i would like to know beyond the hbcu sphere or specifically the howard sphere what are y'all hoping to accomplish or what kind of changes would y'all hope to affect within the k-pop dance team ecosystem something that was really touching to me was that we got reached out by other hbcus about our k-pop dance team and to me, that's like, you know, that's really sweet. Like, they're like asking, like, they always wanted to do it and didn't have, like, the direction or enough people or they thought they didn't have enough people to do that. So for me, that's like something that's really touching, like having other Black people feel confident in doing it. Because like I said, this is kind of like a, some people view it as a quirky little interest that mm-hmm. people have. Some Black people kind of look down on K-pop as well and, you know, for sure. be judgmental about it. So I think that making people feel comfortable having their interests that might not be stereotypical is okay and safe. And then also representing, you know, I guess I want to call myself a weird black girl or anything like that, but, you know, more nerdy, fandom-y as well. And then also in the K-pop space, sometimes they don't really give enough credit to black stands. At times we don't always... um, Ooh, let's talk about that. You know, it can be very hostile at times. And also I've been watching K-pop covers forever and there's not as many all black groups as I would like, or Mm -mm. they're not Mm -hmm. visible. So if we can be visible as possible so other, you know, people, Black or not, can see us, I think that's really important. Because we've had people come up to us while we're doing covers being like, there you go, just a group of Black people dancing. I think that's super cool. Like, even if they don't know anything about K-pop, they want to join, they just really like our energy. So I think it's just kind of spreading that positivity of being an all-Black group and, you know, I guess representing something a bit different. I would say that something else, like, 
that I think we can also influence is just encouraging people to dance regardless of skill level or regardless of like lack of formal training. Because just like I said, like joining this team and being able to like dance, but not be a part of like any sort of like formal organization and doing this sort of dance later in life, like outside of secondary education or primary school education Mm -hmm. and be able to like experience being on a team and connecting with other Black women and Black people. It really has been very healing. And I think that like more people should be able to like gather and start dance teams on their own and just start them like people that they know and people that they care about and just get out there and just dance. If you like a dance, just learn it because honestly, it really will heal your inner child. And I mean, it's good physical exercise too, but it really is something like very spiritual about being able to like connect with others and be a part of like something bigger than yourself. I think that's so true. You know, I think so much of what we do as creators, whatever you're creating, whether you're like an artist, a dancer, a writer, whatever. I think a lot of stuff today like pushes us to like A, be solo and B, make content. And there's nothing wrong with making content. But like when you're able to center like, oh, we're going to connect over this and like connection and doing it together and maybe not even making content. Again, it's fine to make content, but when you're decentering that, I find like that's just, ooh, it inspires me so much. I'm way more inspired when I'm working with people just on the side, just talking about stuff that's not even for other people necessarily and getting excited together versus just sitting here looking at my calendar like, man, I need content for next week. You know what I mean? Like that's so much more special. One of my last questions before we go is maybe a hard question. I do this all the time. I've tried to get better about it. I always ask questions like this right at the end, like this will be a quick little question, but I've started to try and and do better about (laughs) formatting the whole episode because I realize these take longer than you would think. So my question is, what is each of y'all's favorite K-pop choreography? Oh, oh, wow. That's a great question. Oh, (laughs) see, it's one of those things that's like, it seems simple, but actually, though, is it? I mean, I might answer the ones that I've already done, I guess, because, you know, some, once you learn to dance, you realize it's a lot harder or you might not like it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But we did, this is a group I love. So I was, obviously it was the, the group I picked in the cover turned out so well, which is Breathe by Miss A. I love mm-hmm. Miss A. People forget about, you know, second gen girl groups a lot, especially Miss A. because They do, they do. JYP squandered them and I will always stand by that. But they were... A really popular group and this is their first comeback after their iconic debut which is good girl bad girl and it's like mm-hmm, a really cute mm-hmm. song it's really camp it's kind of ridiculous like honestly if i if someone asked me to show them a k-pop song and like that wasn't embarrassing i wouldn't introduce that song but it's just so fun <laughs> and super silly and very mm-hmm. unserious and it's high energy i definitely that dance did challenge me because i had to i forgot to, how to do a handstand i had to hold a handstand and it, there's a oh, jump yeah. but like it was just so much fun to do with the other members. Like, Hannah was also on that dance. It was so much fun. And it just reminded me how much fun K-pop can be, how silly it can be, and how it's not serious. And then we also got to film at a fun location, even though the filming day was, like, very long. It got to be very colorful. Some mm-hmm. kids walked by and were just, like, super excited to see us doing this fun little dance. It's just something about that just sparked so much joy within me, especially because this was, I think, like, in the springtime. And things like that. Like nothing about this cover could make me upset. Like everything about it made me so happy. And that's why mm-hmm. it just makes very fondly thinking about it right now. What a wholesome answer. I'm also going to take a page out of Raina's book and mention a cover that we've already done. And 
She was also in this one. We've done quite a few covers together now that I think about it. But it's Love Dive by Ive. Okay. Look, everyone who knows me on the team knows that, like, I'm for the boys. I am a boy group stan. But Mm -hmm. Love Dive was the first girl group song that I actually suggested to the team. And it was also, like, one of the first songs that I guess technically I was just kind of, like, in charge of. So it was a very big deal to me. And I'm just so proud of how everything came out. And I just think we all look so great. And, like, I still go back and watch it. And (laughs) I just, I get so happy when I look at it. And I remember that day we also met Georgetown Vibe. And I think Mm -hmm. that was, like, our first kind of, like, official interaction with, like, another K-pop dance team in the area. So that Mm -hmm. was also really, really fun. It was just a very fun day. What about you, Mia? When you asked that question, it literally made my head spin. Like, it was so (laughs) crazy. But, I mean, the way I'm going to break it down is, like, nostalgia and then, like, what I like now. So, like, in terms of nostalgia, obviously, the Boys by Girls Generation, listen, it changed lives. Their light bill was due. (laughs) Their, Their water was off. They had to ride the bus to the studio. They oh went in, God. they it's had so no though. choice but to eat. Like, it changed yes. so bad. I also, I love Like This by um, Wonder Girls by Wonder Girls. It's so fun. It's a quick little dance. It's not too complicated. Like, it's just fun to do. Mm-hmm. Now, like, going into, like, third gen, fourth gen, I'll obviously say Danger by BTS. I'm forcing our team to do it this year because it's a very fun okay. dance. I've been talking about it forever. Yes. Yeah. It is a little complicated, but it looks very nice. And then also, I would say Butterfly by Luna. Obviously, I'm an Orbit, but my favorite moment in that choreography is in the final chorus. They all go into a circle and like they all sort of like release each other. You you just have to pull up the video and just look at it. But it's just so beautiful and it just means so much to me because it's sort of about like being connected and then like maybe like you lose your way, but you're always going to come back together. And the way that, like, they show that in the dance is just so beautiful. I'm excited to see both covers. I'm rooting you on as far as getting the the Luna one off the ground. (laughs) You know, I asked y'all that question. I don't got an answer. Like, I just ask y'all the hard questions. And I just sit back like, ooh, couldn't be me. I couldn't answer that. (laughs) It's a hard question. Like, because you were like, oh, here's the nostalgia. And here's the, because that's true. It's like, oh, do you go with a nostalgia answer? Or do you like, I will do an underrated one. How about that? Like, I think K-pop song that has underrated choreography and it's going to be an unpopular opinion but hear me out <laughs> is illusion by ats now listen to, like listen okay okay period thank you okay my people i found my people yeah period in period. general their choreography they be eaten but i feel like illusion is super underrated because like it's like this quirky cute but like just if you really watch though if you really watch like it's like cute, but like with, I don't know the dancer terms. It's not edge, but like finesse, maybe. I don't know. I think it's like very clever, the choreography and very fun and light. I think that's it is that it feels like, but when you really look, it's like, oh, that's not, it's not easy necessarily. You know, I love that type of like juxtaposition where like artists in general make something feel effortless, but then you really look or pay attention or listen and you're like, well, hold on now. Hold on. Yeah. That's my that's my jam. You know, if y'all ever want to do AT's illusion, hey, I know that's above seven. That's eight, right? So like maybe. 
Hey, look. We did it once before. Gas break, so I think we can do it again. I think we can, we do, can do it again. Okay, yeah, we already did we Wonderland. Yeah, Wonderland, the 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 Kingdom version, didn't y'all? Yeah, we did do yeah. the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, period. <laughs> All right. Well, I am looking forward to that. I will hound y'all on your socials. Just kidding. Am I? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> what do y'all got coming up this semester? I assume y'all got stuff already, like maybe in the works that you could share. How about that? That you could share. Well. Oh, no. Eye <laughs> <laughs> out for like September 29th to October 1st. There might be like a performance happening in the Mall or something. You know. So you'll have to check out our Instagram to figure it out what's happening. Okay. Okay. Heard that. Heard that. One thing I do really enjoy is our photo shoots. Mm-hmm. A lot of people at the beginning were like unsure about taking photos, but I think for sure as we grow, it just gets exciting every time we have a new cover with our different like photo concepts and picture concepts and trailers and whatnot. So keep an eye out. I'm excited. Actually, I did. I was curious. Like, do y'all have, do y'all just work with other people in the school to help like with videography and stuff? Or is that like all in team? Like y'all? It's all in house. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is so heavy. cool. Everybody will have to go follow the Instagram. In fact, go ahead. Thank y'all for joining me. But please tell the good folks before we get out of here where they can find y'all. You can find us at H-U underscore 108K on Instagram and TikTok. And then a link in our bio to our link tree links our YouTube, our Twitter, and any other relevant links you would like to know. Including things that may or may not be coming up, I'm sure. Yes. Okay. And thank you all for listening and joining us. You know what it is. I want y'all to let me know your favorite K-pop choreos because... There's a lot. There's many generations, girl groups, boy groups, doesn't matter, everything in between. Let me know. You can do that. If you're on Spotify, you can actually answer the question. There's a question on Spotify directly, or you can follow me at Culture X Podcast on Twitter or Instagram and let me know there because I love me a good choreo. But until next time, keep it chill and keep it nerdy. Bye.